What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. We're currently in the middle of doing a giveaway. I posted a tweet about an hour ago. We are giving away a free membership for a month. You can choose Fantasy, you can choose DFS, or you can choose Wagering. Anything you want for one month. We're always talking about how great our packages are. I want to show you guys, if you're not already uh, looking behind the paywall, what we got going on. So you got to go and like the post. You got to go follow Ethos Fantasy BB, and that's all you got to do. And then you're entered in. I'll randomly choose one winner tomorrow. Of course, you got to be following Ethos Fantasy BB. That is the main thing. I'd like you to like the post so I can narrow down who to choose from. But following Ethos Fantasy BB is definitely key. We're just nearly at 1,000 followers. You guys can help push us over the hump and win yourself a free membership in the process. A free month at Sports Ethos could do wonders for you, whether it's on the fantasy side, if it's on the wagering side, it might just make you a good few hundred bucks seeing the way that those guys have been doing. So definitely worth logging into Twitter and throwing a follow and a like down. But guys, let's talk about the leaders to this point in the season. I wanted to do this show yesterday but there were some things that I wanted to talk about as well. Bryce Harper being back. I did some questions as well on the show. And I pushed this one off to today. Appreciate all your questions, by the way. You guys are great sending in all those questions for the mailbag. I really do appreciate that. But what we're going to do today is we're going to look back at the leaders in each statistical category to this point of the season. We're not just going to talk about the number one. We'll talk about the first couple of leaders in each of the 10 standard categories. I know some of you are in you know, 19 category leagues. We're not going to go through all of them. Uh, we're just going to go through the standard 5x5. Five five. And I tweeted it out yesterday. There's been maybe some small changes uh, over the last 24 hours. But generally, that tweet is what you can refer to to look back at the leaders across the different categories to this point in the season. So let's start off with batting average. It's not surprising who is at the top of the board. It might be surprising how far ahead of the competition he is. And that's Luis Arise. Luis Arise, to this point of the season, is batting 438. He is 39 for his first 89. He has been fantastic. He's looking like a great value. I only have one share of him. I wish I had him all over the place. That eligibility at first and second is fantastic. Yes, he's not going to be a massive contributor in home runs, but he's going to give you a few. Give you a few steals. You know, the runs are going to be pretty good. Last year was 88. Now, I don't know if he'll reach that same number again necessarily, but somewhere in like the 70 to 80 range. Considering how often he's on base, it wouldn't surprise me if it's you know if he does get to 88 again. He is incredibly fun to have on your fantasy team. He is not somebody that there was much interest in. A lot of people were poo-pooing him before the season because oh, he doesn't really help you. It's empty batting average. I don't really think there's such thing as empty batting average. Unless it's truly like a zero and a zero that you're getting from homers and steals. I don't think that there's such thing as an empty batting average. Even when he did last year, incredibly valuable with only eight homers and four steals. To this point of the season, he is walking more than twice as often as he is striking out. The batting average is just ridiculous. Now, it won't sustain, but can he bat like 330? I think he absolutely can over the course of a full season. He was 316 last year. He's a 322 career hitter. You know, that does factor in a little bit what he's done so far this year, but it's only 25 games he's played. That's still looking back on these last several years. It is it is who he is to have an incredibly high batting average, so... I don't think that it's unsustainable that he will lead the league in batting average. Now, the number that he is at is not going to sustain, but I think that there's a good chance we'll see him come away with the batting title. Now, if we go down the batting average list, we'll give you the top five here. It's a rise at one, and then we got Matt Chapman, Ronald Acuna, Bo Bichette, and Brandon Marsh. 
Matt Chapman's not going to be anywhere near the top of this list by the time the season ends. Yes, he has been fantastic. Yes, Matt Chapman is a Blue Jay. Yes, I am a total Blue Jay homer, and I will go out of my way to praise Toronto Blue Jay people wherever I can. And Matt Chapman has been one of the best players in baseball so far this season, but he is not going to bat 379. The BABIP is at 486, which is ridiculously high. If you're not familiar with BABIP, it is batting average on balls in play. It is literally the batting average on the balls that you put in play. Typically, you're looking at around three, maybe a little more than 300. It really depends on the on the player, right? A power hitter who sells out for power is going to have a lower BABIP. A guy who's speedy, who puts the ball in play a lot, obviously you're going to have a higher batting average on balls in play. If they are you know, a speedy guy, it really do, does vary. Now, the average generally is about 300 in that ballpark. For his career, he is 298 on the BABIP scale. Pretty average. This year, 486. Half the balls he's putting in play have been base hits. He's not going to sustain that. Matt Chapman's still a great player, but that 379 batting average is not something that you are likely to see continue. Now, Ronald Acuna, Boba Shett, I think that they could definitely like be in the conversation for the batting titles in their respective leagues. Will they continue to this rate? No, and I don't think any of the rate stats we're going to talk about today, average, whip, ERA, they're not going to continue to the same pace that they are. But that doesn't mean that the people who are currently leading in those categories won't end up leading again. Boba Shett has led the American League each of the last two years in base hits. He is currently leading again in base hits. In fact, he leads all of Major League Baseball with 43 hits to this point of the season. 43 hits in 29 games for Bo Bichette. I think there's a decent chance that he could come away with the batting title. Where Matt Chapman, there's really no chance of that. Bo Bichette is a legitimate guy who could be a batting title winner. You wouldn't have thought so considering... Even just watching him, you know, not from looking at the analytics, but if you're just watching the way he swings, you would think that he is more of a power kind of hitter. Uh, he actually is an incredible contact hitter. It's just the way that he kind of uppercuts sometimes. It looks like he's really putting a lot of effort into the swing. You wouldn't expect him, just looking at him, to be a great batting average guy. For his career, he is the three, 300 hitter right on the nose. So that is something that is fantastic. He's only striking out 14% of the time this year. He's been great. I think he could legitimately be a batting title winner. Ronald Acuna, back in the lineup today after the shoulder, getting hit by a pitch yesterday. No real worry there. He was my number one player coming into the season. He is still my number one player going forward. Ridiculous. MVP, I think, is very likely for him this season if he keeps this up. And I think that the batting average, again, it's not going to maintain where it is, but he is in a spot where you know if he ended the year as the third highest batting average in Major League Baseball, I don't think anybody would be really surprised. Now, Brandon Marsh is a huge surprise on this list through this point of the season. First of all, I wasn't, you know, I don't think a lot of people were really sure that he was even going to necessarily qualify. Uh, if you're looking at the way that they played him last year, I don't know. He did play 134 games last year between uh, the Phillies and the Angels. I personally wasn't so sure about what role he was going to have coming into the season, but he has played in 28 games. He's batting 337 to this point with four home runs. Now, I don't really buy that he is going to be legit in that regard, that he is going to keep up a plus 300 batting average. Like Even in the minors, when he was really good and was a fairly highly touted prospect, he was never a big batting average guy. If you're going back to you know 2018, in high A, he batted 256. That was a good 93-game sample size. 2019, this was double A, 96 games. He batted 300 on the dot. Very promising, but you know, you're batting 300 in double A. You're likely not going to bat 337 in the bigs. It is a hot start for Brandon Marsh. He's 464 on the BABIP scale. So I think we have to kind of taper back our expectations a little bit. Still, somebody that I think is a must roster player and has been fantastic so far this season. But I think at the end of the day, uh, he is going to regress. So if you did want to sell high on Brandon Marsh, if you can sell high, 
I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I still think he is going to have a lot of value, just not likely to be somebody who is a top-five name in terms of batting average come the end of the season. Let's talk about homers. There are two people who are tied for the Major League lead in homers right now, Pete Alonzo and Max Muncy. Pete Alonzo, fairly expected. You know, everybody thought everybody thought that he could hit 50 coming into the season. He's done it before. He is one of the best pure power hitters in all of baseball. There's no surprise to see Pete Alonzo through 29 games with 11 home runs. That I, no, no need to really get deep into that. That was completely expected. Max Muncy, through 26 games, having the same number of home runs. Definitely a surprise. And definitely, to this point of the season, huge miss on my on my behalf here in terms of Max Muncy and his production. I thought that we were going to see even more of a decline, you know, considering the lineup got worse, considering how awful he was last year. I really did not have much hope. But to this point, 11 homers in 26 games at his ridiculous pace. I don't know that he'll keep it up. And I, in fact, I likely he won't keep up this pace. But he could still get himself to 30 home runs, even just on the backing of how he has started off the year. You know, over the next 130-some-odd games, can he hit 19 home runs? Absolutely he can. Uh, I was wrong. I was wrong on Max Muncy. I think that he is somebody where, you know, he just bounced back a lot better than I, than I would have expected. And it, it's still very early. We don't know if this is going to maintain or not. You know, the batting average is still pretty poor at 238. Great walk rate as usual. Strikeout rate generally you know, where it has been. I don't know if he's going to maintain everything, but the power I think is pretty pretty generally sustainable. Uh, you know, not to this pace. He's not going to hit 70 home runs. But I think 30 is definitely on the table for Max Muncy, and I just wanted to eat my words there from before the season. I was wrong. Uh, he is looking fantastic. Now, the rest of the top five here, Rafael Devers, not really much of a surprise there. We were expecting Rafael Devers to have a great season, new contract. We were all kind of thinking, ah, okay, you know, he's locked into Boston. I guess there is the thought that, you know, someone signs a contract and they're going to take the foot off the gas a little bit. I wasn't really expecting that with Devers. I was not the highest on Devers in general because I'm not so big on the Red Sox as a whole. But to this point, Rafael Devers has had 20 runs, 27 RBIs, 10 homers. He has been fantastic. Now, is he going to maintain this kind of home run pace? Again, likely not. Like, I think that we're probably still going to see in the 30-ish kind of home run range for him. But again, even like what I said earlier, the rate stats aren't going to keep up. Nothing is going to keep up to this pace if you're talking about league leaders. Everybody is going to regress in terms of, you know, the per-game stats, whether it's the batting average, whatever it is. He's not going to hit 10 home runs every 29 games or 11 home runs every 29. Like No, no, sorry, 10 home runs every 29 games. He's just not hitting a homer every third game. Uh, he's not going to be a 50 home run guy. But 35, 30 to 35, I think that that's reasonable to expect for Devers. He won't be a league leader, I don't think but definitely still somebody who will give you a ridiculous power contribution. Overall, probably even more, uh, not in terms of power, but we can see more uh, in terms of production overall from him. He is running at 210 BABIP to this point in a 235 batting average. Career BABIP for him is 315 with a 281 average, so those numbers should definitely turn around at some point. The power will remain, and I think that Rafael Devers is looking like he will plop probably end up as like a top 20 kind of fantasy player. Wouldn't shock me at all if he's able to get that batting average back up close to where we're, we're usually expecting it to be, somewhere in that 270, 280 kind of range. He's already the 23rd ranked player, according to Yahoo, this season with a 235 average. You know, even if he's like 280, you're looking at a first-round player or very close to a first-round player in Raphael Devers. The next two guys, I do not expect them to keep it up to the same degree at all. Patrick Wisdom and Brent Rooker. 
Patrick Wisdom is interesting. We know that he has been a power guy for several years now, and maybe he's able to keep up generally what he's doing. Not to the same degree, again, but is he going to be able to hit you 25, 30 home runs? Yeah, likely that is possible. You know, it's, it's not impossible. It's probable. Uh, after seeing him go for 28 and 25 each of the last two seasons, he's got 10 through 26 games. You're probably going to be looking at 25 to 30 home runs again. I still think Patrick Wisdom, based on what I've seen, based on how highly regarded he is, is a sell high. You know, the power is legit, but that's kind of all he does for you. We're talking about a 219 career hitter. He's batting 242 this year, and that's been a huge thing. You know, but realistically, you're getting a handful of steals. You're getting a poor batting average. You're getting good power. I think that there is more hype around him than the actual production warrants, and I would be kicking the tires to see if Patrick Wisdom is somebody that – not sorry, not kicking the tires necessarily, but just seeing – um, if he is on your roster, what the return or possible return could be for him. Because I think we probably this is about the best we're going to see from him. Now, Brent Rooker is interesting too. Brent Rooker, his stat cast page is totally red. It is covered in red. Everything is good. I like everything. Literally everything except for whiff percentage and sprint speed is like hard red 95th percentile and above. Now, I would caution people not to just look at Baseball Savant in terms of their player evaluations. That's not how it always will end up working. In fact, it usually doesn't end up working like that, Where, except for your star players, where, yeah, oh, the whole StatCast page is red. That means the player is going to be good. Not always the way it works. Brent Rooker, you know, he is proving that maybe that's not always the case, but we're still talking about 22 games where he has mashed. I don't know that I really buy necessarily the changes we've seen from him as being legit. He's walking a lot, which he's always been a good walk rate guy, but 16% is absolutely elite. He's only striking out 18% of the time, and strikeouts have always been a thing for him throughout the minor leagues. We're talking about a guy who's generally, if you're looking at the levels, it varies a bit, but you're talking about like a 28, 30, 32% strikeout rate guy. Just all of a sudden to be an 18% strikeout rate guy in the big leagues, I don't really buy it, honestly. You know, he's had some experience in the big leagues before this season. We're talking about maybe 50, 60 games, just a cup of coffee here. Uh, 58 games in 21 with Minnesota and seven games uh, in 20. I don't know, guys. I'm just in 16 games last year as well. I, I just don't know that this is for real. Like he is about as high, uh, about of a high of a sell high as you can possibly figure in fantasy baseball at this point because people have bought in. I've heard a lot of people say, people I respect too, uh, saying that he'll be like a rest-of-season viable option. I think it's way too soon to, to know that at this point. I think if you're able to sell Brent Rooker for any kind of top 100 player, you should be doing it. Can the power remain to some degree in that big ballpark? I don't know that we're going to see him hit 30, 35 home runs. Uh, it's, that's something you typically, I mean, over the years, recent history anyway, Oakland A's to have those kind of big power numbers. We've seen it from Matt Olson, saw it from Chapman, um, you know, Sean Murphy to, to a lesser extent. I just, I don't really buy it to this point. I would be trying to sell Brent Rooker if you can. Like, I wouldn't sell him for anything, but if you're selling him high where it's like a top 100 or even better player, uh, I would be doing that because bad team context, big ballpark, no speed, you know, batting average is not going to be 353. In the minors, we're looking at decent batting averages, but we're probably talking about a 240 hitter here. 230, 240 hitter. The projections are even lower. Like, I'm, I'm giving him a bit of the benefit of the doubt. Projections are calling for anywhere from 210 to 227. I think he can maybe maintain 240, but maybe going forward, we do see a 220 hitter with, you know, if you're looking at rest of season projections here, you're, you're looking at like uh, 16 home runs, 
maybe oh, a total. Like, no, I don't even think we're talking about like the whole season. It's tricky. He's he's so tricky to nail down. Like, I honestly don't really know what's going to happen with Brent Rooker, but I don't think that what we've seen to this point is fully legit. The walk rate will come down. The strikeout rate will go up. The batting average will go down. And I think at the end of the day, maybe he's not waiver wire fodder, but he is somebody where I, I think that that could be where we are by all-star break, where Brent Rooker is like 24% rostered because people are still holding on, hoping for that early season magic. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I don't think that he is somebody who will have lasting fantasy value. So I would try and sell high on Brent Rooker, as nice of a story as he's been don't really have that much faith in the long-term sustainability of it. Let's talk RBIs. Let's go through the top five here. Adelise Garcia, Pete Alonso, Randy Rosarena, Jordan Alvarez, and Rafael Devers. Now, we talked about Alonso and Devers, absolutely legit power bats, especially Alonso in a great lineup. No reason why he shouldn't be able to get to 100 RBIs. Devers, you know, he'll probably be close to 100 RBIs as well, honestly. You're looking at 27 through his first 29 games. 100 RBIs is probably going to be on the table here. Now, Adelise Garcia, we're going to talk about him on Thursday because we're going to have Vlad Sedler coming on the show from the FTN podcast. We're going to talk about draft day regrets, April recap. It's going to be a couple different topics, but one of the things we're going to talk about is our players we wish we had more shares of. And one of them, for me, is Adelise Garcia. And I think, honestly, we have to just buy in at this point. After the last couple seasons, even after 21, where he had 31 homers and 16 steals, people were like, eh, I don't know. And then last year, 27 homers, 25 steals. People were still kind of going, eh, I don't know. Now at this point, you know, we're only a month in, but he's got eight homers. He has 24 runs, 30 RBIs. He's batting 267. He's a stud. Adelise Garcia is a stud. It's crazy to say, but it's true. He is an absolute fantasy stud who I wish I had shares on every single team. Now, will he lead Major League Baseball in RBIs at the end of the season? Likely not, but it's not the craziest thing in the world either. The dude had 101 RBIs last season. He's already got 30 through the first month. Could he get another 110 this year, 115? It's possible. I wouldn't be putting money on it if I'm down in Vegas. I wouldn't be throwing money on that particular outcome. But, man, Adelise Garcia really has surprised everybody, I think, over the last couple of seasons from being somebody who had, you know, we thought lucked into a good season in 21 to proving it now for three consecutive seasons. So good on Adelise Garcia. I think that he is somebody where he's probably not going to lead in RBIs at the end of it, but can he be a top 10 guy? I, absolutely, I think he can. Now, the other two in this top five here, Randy Rosarena and Jordan Alvarez. Rosarena is an interesting case. Like, uh, you know, Alvarez is, is pretty clearly, I think he's going to be a 100 RBI guy perennially. Every single season, that is likely what he's going to do in that lineup. Rosarena is more interesting to me because Rosarena, not necessarily more interesting as in I like him more from a fantasy point of view, but I'm not really sure where he is going to end up for runs and RBIs. If you look at the last couple of seasons, in 2021, we're talking generally full seasons here too, 141 and 153 games. We're looking at 20 homers each season. But the runs went from 94 to 72. The RBI went from 69 up to 89. Steals went from 20 to 32. So there has been some fluctuation in the stats we've seen from a Rose Reina. I don't know that he's going to be a 100 RBI guy necessarily. I think the Rays have overperformed a little bit. Now him being second, third, fourth in that lineup, it's, it's definitely possible he could be a 100 RBI guy. I'm just not really sure exactly what to expect out of this lineup going forward, how it will shake out, who will be in there day in and day out, because we've seen some ridiculousness. Josh Lowe sitting again today. 
I cannot understand why, but they do some weird things with their lineup. So maybe a Rosarena bounces around a little bit. Maybe he goes up to two. Maybe he's more a four guy. It'll really depend on where he settles in long term in that lineup for how many RBIs we can actually expect. Because you know he was second yesterday, or the last game they played he was second, and then he was third for a while. He's also been fourth. Hasn't let off this year. Generally, he's going to be in good RBI spots. Batting him second yesterday makes me think maybe that they'll move him up a little bit more, maybe potentially have him lead off sometimes. Maybe that would hinder his RBI total a little bit. But overall, Randy Rosarena, uh, another guy I wish I had on more teams. Because looking back on it, the price was fairly reasonable, and the production has just been stupidly good. Jordan Alvarez, 27 RBIs. 27 RBIs, six home runs. It's not going to steal for you, but the average will be there. Everything else will be there from a power standpoint. In a great lineup, Jordan Alvarez, I was worried coming into the season because of the hand, and I wasn't sure if that was going to hinder him power-wise, production-wise in general. So far, it hasn't, and there's no reason to think why Alvarez couldn't hit 100 RBIs, especially we saw today Jose Altuve getting back on the field. Uh, Not like big league field, but he's taking ground balls. He'll be back sooner rather than later, and I think there's a good chance that we do see uh, him go back into the top. Well, once he's back, he'll be at the top of that lineup, and that just adds more run and RBI opportunities for a guy like Jordan Alvarez. So, no real hard-hitting analysis needs to be given on Alvarez. Just a great player who should end up pretty close to being a top-five guy in terms of RBIs at the end of it. Let's look at runs. A couple of familiar faces we just talked about. Acuna at one, Semyon at two, Verdugo at three, tied with Adelise Garcia, and then Yandy Diaz at five. Let's start with Yandy Diaz here because I think he is actually the most interesting name on this list here. Yandy Diaz, another guy I wish I had on more teams. As a leadoff hitter in that raised lineup, this guy is the absolute limit for his run total. Now, I just said I think that they've overperformed a little bit to start the season. They definitely have, but I don't think that'll stop Yandy Diaz from being a 110 kind of run guy. Assuming he is healthy in that lineup every day at the top, either in the one or the two spot, he's been leading off every day, but assuming he's at the top of that order, there's no reason for me to think he will not get to 100 runs, especially considering how often he is on base this season. 409 on base percentage. He has 16 strikeouts, the 13 walks. He's going to be on base a lot, and he should be. He is he is fantastic. I think that the sky's the limit for him in runs, and I think he could be a dark horse to lead Major League Baseball in runs. If the season does go the way that the Rays are hoping and the way it's gone so far, wouldn't shock me at all. And we talked about Acuna. He is absolutely elite. Not a surprise whatsoever that he's leading baseball in runs. Marcus Semien at 25, not really a surprise either. He is a stud in a fantastic lineup. There's no reason to doubt him going forward. He's a little bit older than you might like at 32, but even then, uh, that might just hinder you from a stolen base standpoint a little bit potentially. But even then, Marcus Semien is is a very, very great uh, second baseman for fantasy baseball to have. In that lineup, giving you what he does from the power standpoint from a stolen base perspective, Another guy that I wish I had more shares of. I don't have a single Marcus Semien share this season. But I think, again, like the runs, will he get to 100? I think he'll be close, honestly. Like, I think considering where he is in that lineup, in that lineup, and, you know, that lineup is actually really good. Like, we've talked about the Rangers a little bit, but they are really good. And as the leadoff hitter in that lineup, I think that there's a good chance we see Semien touch 100 runs again. He's done it two consecutive seasons. He did it in 2019 as well, really three straight full seasons. He's been out there, and he's been able to give you 100 runs. And Part of that is the volume, too. Uh, he has missed a total of one game over the past three full seasons, excluding 2020, where he missed seven games. 
He's played 162, 162, and 161 over the last three seasons. So he's durable. He's going to go out there. He's going to score runs. No reason to think he will not be among the league leaders at the end of the season. Alex Verdugo is definitely, definitely surprising everybody this season. He is nearly a top 20 player. He's got five homers. He's got 18 RBIs, two steals, and a 311 batting average to go along with his 24 runs. Now, he has been leading off for the Red Sox. I wasn't huge on the Red Sox coming into the season. But if you remember, if you go back to listen to those outfield episodes, I was pretty big on Alex Verdugo. Actually, that was a hit. You know, I talked about Muncie being a huge miss. Verdugo, as much as I, I don't even have any shares of Verdugo, but he was somebody that I was advocating for, and that's you know goes to show I should take my own advice more often. Sometimes you just get caught up with promoting a player, and then you don't even actually end up taking him, which I should have because he has been great. He was great last year. You know, he had 150 runs in RBIs or 149. To go along with 11 homers, he batted 280. You know, he's not giving you a ton of speed last year, but he's already surpassed his 2022 steals. He had only one last year. He's already got two this year. Sky's the limit for Verdugo. I'd be buying high. I think the Verdugo is fantastic. He could be another guy who is among the top 10 or 15 guys in terms of runs in the American League or even in Major League Baseball based on that lineup, even though it's not the greatest lineup at the top of it in that ballpark. I think that there is a good chance for Verdugo to Stay among the leaders here. Not that he'll necessarily stay as the you know, third in runs in baseball, but I think he can be among those leaders. Now, stolen bases are interesting as well because there's just been so many of them. The, the leaderboard here, Acuna at one. Again, stop me if you heard this before. Ronald Acuna Jr. leading a category through the first month. But, man, he has been truly like the MVP. I, I've heard some talk about Luis Arias is the – and should be the NL Player of the Month. I don't even know if they've announced that yet. It's It should be Acuna, really. After him, it's Cedric Mullins, uh, Jiwon Bay, Estrella Ruiz, and Jazz Chisholm, all behind him, uh, rounding out the top five there with 11 steals. And there's a few other guys, too, that have double-digit steals. Really, everybody is stealing this year, and it's been great to see. Acuna, there's no real deep analysis there. He is going to steal 50 bases, I think, this season. We saw him steal last year when we didn't think we would coming off the ACL and now with the expanded rules and the way he started off. I, don't, I think 50 is maybe conservative, the way that we've seen him start off so far. Like uh, 50, 55, 60 stolen bases potentially. He's, he's ridiculous. Cedric Mullins. I don't know exactly what to expect from Cedric Mullins in terms of a total. I think we're probably going to see like in the – 30s somewhere in the mid 30s for him in terms of stolen bases to go along with you know I don't think the power is quite what we would have thought going back uh you know a couple of years ago when he had 30 home runs I think he's probably like a 15 17 home run guy but the speed is legit we know Cedric Mullins over the last two years 30 and 34 steals that's a legit part of his game I think that we're going to see a similar number of steals again and he can honestly touch 40 uh, it would be possible for him to touch 40. Estuary Ruiz we know from the miners that Esther Ruiz is ridiculous. Like his numbers, I'm just pulling them up now. I had them up and then Fangraphs just decided to crash on me there. So forgive me. His stolen base numbers in the miners last year are some of the most gaudy I've seen. Uh, let's just double check and make sure I have it right here. So in 2022, he stole, let's see, it was about, uh, so 25, 23, and 37 bases amongst the different levels of the miners. We are talking about 85 stolen bases here, and he played about 100 games. A little over 100 games, he stole 85 bases. We know the speed is legit. We know that he's batting in the leadoff spot for that lineup now. Ruiz is somebody where there's not a lot of love for him in more shallow leagues, but I think he is somebody where you gotta be you got to be rostering him for that upside. Because, you know, it's not just for speed. If it was just for speed, then he'd be a Miles Straw, John Birdie. 
He's a guy where we've seen a little bit of pop in the minors. We've seen good batting averages from him in the minors. So it's not just empty calories necessarily for the steals. Steals will be huge. But I think there will be a lot more that goes to it than simply the fact that he will be stealing bases. So definitely a huge fan there. Jiwon Bay, I'd seen a lot of people talking about him as being, you know, legit. I don't know. I think the Pirates have just generally been really good and way over overperformed expectations to this point. I don't know that they're necessarily going to continue that. Bay has been good, but it's pretty much just been from the steals. He does have two home runs. I just think people might have overvalued him a little bit. I don't know that he's necessarily going to be somebody that is like a shallow league option the way some people are adding him. Like He's 46% rostered in Yahoo leagues right now, but he's fluctuating from the top to the bottom of a bad lineup. I know it, you know, you're going to push back on it for sure. I understand. It's a bad lineup, guys. Sorry, it is a bad lineup. There is no two ways about it. They're not a good team. They've had a good start to the season. They are a weak pitching staff. They have Bednar and then pretty much not really much else in that bullpen, and they lost their best player in O'Neill Cruz for the season. Do not be expecting crazy great things out of the Pittsburgh Pirates this season. Juwan Bay, can he be a 15-team league guy? Yeah, but it's pretty much all on the basis of those steals. Will he steal enough bases to make it worthwhile in a shallow format? I don't think so. I think he'll be more of a 25-steal kind of guy. In a year where 25 steals doesn't really move the needle as much as we might hope it does. When We're already looking at like seven guys with double digits for the first month. Don't know that he's necessarily going to cut it in your shallow leagues. Can the steals be kind of legit? Maybe. But I think that's going to be pretty much all that he is giving you uh, this season for fantasy. I don't expect there to be that much else that Juwan Bay is really going to be putting up there for you. Now, Jazz Chisholm, he rounds out that top five. He's got 11 steals in 26 games. He is somebody where I can believe it. You know, I can believe uh, Jazz Chisholm is going to keep up that pace and even and then some. Uh, he had 12 steals last year in 60 games. He's got 11 in his first 28. We know the power is good. We know the batting average isn't going to be great. But when you're talking about the whole product put together, Jazz Chisholm is going to probably end up as like a top 30 player, top 40 player maybe at worst once he really fully figures everything out. And he already pretty much has. If you look at the last week, two homers, four steals. He had back-to-back games with uh, double steals. Really, really wish I had more Jazz. He just worried me a little bit coming into the year, the transition to the outfield. I didn't know how that was going to affect him mentally. I wish I had more shares, but... Jazz Chisholm should be able to keep up the stolen base pace and his overall fantasy pace in general as well. All right, those are the hitting stats. Now let's go to some of the pitching leaders, and we'll talk about ERA. Number one ERA leader across Major League Baseball, Mr. Sonny Gray at .77. I love this one because in my home league, I took him with my last, the last overall pick at 230th overall. It's a 10-team Yahoo standard roster home league. My last overall pick, and to this point, he has been the best pitcher in baseball, arguably, results-wise. I'm not talking about stuff and advanced metrics. Just the results have been absolutely wild for Sonny Gray to this point of the season. Will he keep it up? Absolutely not. He will not keep a .77 ERA. He will not be striking out this many batters. The whip is probably maintainable. You know, low ones whip, 106 right now. Totally sustainable. That ERA, though... I don't know how bad it's going to get, but there will be a start. Like, And I, I hate to even say this because I have him. On, it's not my most important team, but it's one of my most important teams. The home leagues always just kind of get you differently. Playing against your friends, you got it's not it's like a $100 entry fee for that one, I think. 50 or 100 I actually can't remember right now. But it's not even about the money. It's just about beating your friends. It'll be, there'll be a bad Sunday great start. There will be a start where people will actually drop him 
uh, from this start, there will be I, – this is my forecast. Maybe he has one or two more good starts, and then there will be like seven or eight run outing, and he will literally be dropped by people. And, and it's probably not right. It's definitely not right, but that's what's going to happen. Will he keep up this ERA? Absolutely not, but it's definitely just been a fun start to the season. I don't know – deep hard-hitting analysis on why it will regress because it's at 0.77 and it's sunny gray we know it's going to regress it's just a matter of how badly and that is anybody's guess now he set himself up for a nice little cushion here to start the year with five excellent starts but it is definitely going to come back to earth a little bit it's ridiculous he's allowed only three earned runs to this point of the season through his how many innings is it 35 innings Crazy, won't maintain, but it's definitely been a great, fun start. Probably somebody that you should look into selling high on. Now, after him, it's Garrett Cole. Uh, now, And like I said earlier, these numbers are all going to regress. It's just a matter of if the actual players who are in these positions can maintain those same positions. Can Garrett Cole be the second you know, ERA leader in baseball? Maybe. Last couple of years down the stretch have not been kind to him. September, October, he has kind of blown you up a little bit in head-to-head, and has ballooned his, his ERAs over these last couple of seasons. I don't think they've been bad, but 3-5 and 3-2-3. I don't know that he's necessarily going to be a top five ERA guy. He's been fantastic to this point of the season. Will he keep it up, though? I'm not 100% sure. Not that I'd be selling or doing anything, especially with the way the pitchers have been so volatile. You kind of got to hold on to a guy like Cole, especially because I don't know how much higher you're going to sell him than what you actually paid for him. But I think that he'll probably hit the regression monster pretty soon. Shout out to Mike Kurland. Uh, if you guys are on Twitter, you've been seeing Mike Kurland do these regression monster posts. We'll see one eventually for Garrett Cole, and we'll see one for Sonny Gray. It's just a matter of when and how bad it will be. It'll obviously be better long-term result for Garrett Cole, but they're both due for some regression. And so is this next guy here. As much as I love him, Justin Steele is number three in Major League Baseball in ERA at this point, 149 through his first six starts. Again, I don't know how necessarily sustainable it is. Justin Steele has been good now for a while. Like Going back to the All-Star break last season, roughly, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. Pitching for the Cubs, I don't know that that's necessarily going to do that much for you. He's outperforming the advanced metrics, not by a lot. They're still pretty good, but you're looking at, you know, that 149 ERA compared to like a 323 X ERA, 342 FIP. He's going to come back to earth a little bit. It'll still be a viable option, but another guy where you might want to consider selling high on him a little bit. And these next two guys, I think that they're fairly sustainable what they are doing. Luis Castillo. You know, and Shohei Otani. I don't know if they're going to maintain the exact same rates at 182 and 185 ERAs, but I think if you're looking at, you know, end of season ERA rankings, could Castillo be fourth? Could Otani be fifth? Yeah, I think so. Castillo, to this point of the season, has been dominant. I've seen not a lot of his actual outings, I've seen more on the highlight side, but. His bad start so far this year, I guess it would be the Toronto one, where he went five innings, gave up two earned runs. Like, that's a bad start from Castillo. I think we were all a little bit too low on him heading into the year. He could be a dark horse uh, AL Cy Young candidate. Shohei Otani, <laughs> there's just not enough you could even say about the guy at this point. He is ridiculous on the mound. He is honestly maybe better than he is at the plate at, uh, at this point. 4-0 with a 1.85 ERA, a .82 whip, 46 Ks and 34 innings. Shohei is ridiculous. I think that he is somebody where there's definitely room for him to be a top five ERA kind of guy going forward. There's no selling. There's no doing anything. If you want to sell him, then you'd get a king's ransom for him. But I just don't know that you can even properly get value. And it also does depend on your league. If you are in a league where there's two Otanis, it's very different. If you want to just sell the Otani pitcher version and sell high on them, because there is just, uh, you know elevated injury risk, yeah, I could see you doing that. 
I don't know that I'm necessarily going to be doing that, but I, I could understand the argument for wanting to sell on an Otani just because there is inherently more risk because he is playing both sides of the ball. But I do think that at the end of the day, we'll still see him as like a top five ERA guy, and he could very well uh, be number one across all Major League Baseball in ERA. Wouldn't shock me at all, but let's talk about strikeouts. No surprise to anybody, Spencer Strider is the leader in strikeouts. I put a small bet, uh, bet365, before the season. Not that I'm a wagering guy, not that you should listen to me for gambling advice, really, ever. But I put a bet on Spencer Strider to lead Major League Baseball in case. I think it was a fairly modest bet, $10 or something like that. But good enough odds where I was happy to do it. And at this point, 57 strikeouts for Strider in 35 innings. He's been unreal. And he had his kind of, you know, his bad start the other night. It was the regression Strider. Four earned runs in five innings against the Mets. He still struck out eight. You know, if there's anything you got to worry about with Strider, maybe it's the control a little bit this season. Walking maybe too many batters. Let me just take a look. It's 14 walks through 35 innings. I'm not nearly smart enough to do that in my head to figure out the walk rate. So let me just see what it is. It feels like it's a little bit high. I feel like it's probably close to 10%. Uh, Let's just double check what that is. It is 10.1%. Maybe I am a math guy after all. But no, seriously, Spencer Strider, there's nothing to worry about in terms of his Ks. If we're looking at just this category here, strikeouts are about the safe. He's about the safest bet. If you're talking any category in anything of baseball, you know, who is a safe bet to give you any individual category? Strider and strikeouts are about as, about as closely aligned as you can possibly imagine. Uh, he has been fantastic. No reason to think he won't keep it up, especially if that start the other day is a quote-unquote bad outing from him. Kevin Gosman at number two, 54 Ks through uh, 38 innings. I don't know if he'll keep up this exact same pace, but I think he can be close to it. You know, he's giving you double-digit strikeouts very consistently. He wasn't really doing that so much down the stretch last year, but he's done it in three of the last four outings. 11 versus Detroit, 11 versus the Yankees, 13 versus Seattle. Dark horse Cy Young candidate. I had him ranked as my number nine pitcher heading into the year, and I worry that I might have been a little bit too low. Not even really a dark horse Cy Young candidate, but somebody that could just be a Cy Young candidate. Uh, He's just that good at this point. Zach Gallen, another scoreless streak from Zach Gallen. He did it last year from August the 8th until September the 4th. He had one, two, three, four, five, six consecutive starts without giving up a run. He has now done it in four straight outings this season. Zach Gallen is just incredibly good. He had two bad starts to the year, San Diego and Los Angeles, and people were turning on him. I understand it kind of a little bit, maybe, honestly, not really. People just will look at whatever's right in front of their face and not really you know, go beyond the stats for whatever reason. But Zach Allen, he is remarkably talented. He is somebody where, you know, he had a bad 2021 and people were kind of down on him for that. It's the only time in his career over any sample size of the bigs that he's ever had an ERA above four. Last year it was 254. To this point, 215. And those strikeouts have really, really flourished this season so far. Will he keep up the same pace? I don't know that he'll keep up the exact same strikeout pace necessarily. It might dip back down a little bit. I don't know if he's going to be a top five overall strikeout guy. Maybe if he gets there in volume. If you're looking at just the actual percentages, not sure that he's going to be somebody that I would trust to be a top five strikeout guy. Now, can he still be like a top 10 pitcher in Major League Baseball? Absolutely, he can. I just don't know that he's going to maintain a 36% strikeout rate. He's probably closer to where he has been these last couple of years of like 27, 28. Maybe he's able to maintain 30, but 36.2 is a little bit unsustainable, a lot unsustainable uh, for Zach Gallon. As great as he's been, I wouldn't expect the same number of Ks to continue. Shohei Otani, we just talked about him. Strikeouts for him are seemingly very easy to come by. 
He's got, what is it, uh, 46 of them to this point in the season through his 34 innings. Strikeouts are always there for him. They're always going to be there for him. As long as he's healthy and on the field, there's no need to worry about how many Ks Shohei is going to be giving you. Now, Pablo Lopez at number four, or tied for fifth here, I guess. He's an interesting one because I wasn't really that big on Pablo Lopez coming into the season. He's never been a massive, massive strikeout guy. He's never not been a bad strikeout guy by any means. But he hasn't been somebody where, you know, you're looking at massive K rates for his career. 23.7% K rate for the career. He's up to 31.1% this season. I don't think it's going to sustain to that degree. Can he give you, you know, 28? Yeah, something like that I think could probably work based on how he's improved this season. But I don't know if we're going to see, again, the same level of strikeouts that we have seen to this point. Where with Gosman, with Strider, with Gallen, I, I can see it. With Lopez, or excuse me, with Gosman, Strider, and Otani, I could see it. With Gallen and Lopez, I think that we're likely to see some regression there. Uh, let's move on, though. Let's talk very briefly about wins, because there's not really so much you can even do with wins. McClanahan, Cole, Joe Ryan, and Clayton Kershaw each have five. Not shocking to see players for good teams, good pitchers, get good wins, or get wins, I should say. It's it's a crapshoot, right? Uh, at Arizona, first pitch Arizona in November, Rob Silver gave a presentation about the win, and a lot of it came down to you know how to, how to find wins. Essentially, is what we were talking about. A lot of it comes down to just having good pitchers on good teams. I know, duh, it sounds stupid, but at the end of the day, if you look at the leaderboards every year of pitcher wins, you're not seeing pitchers for you know 65 win teams go out there and win a lot of games. So. It's not really easy to give analysis on wins. A lot of people hate them as a stat. I don't mind them. I think that they're, there's a place for them. But it's very tricky to predict, and it's very tricky to even you know, stream or anything like that for victory. So McClanahan has five, Cole has five, Joe Ryan has five, Kershaw has five. Maybe one of them ends up with single-digit wins. Maybe one of them hits 20. It's literally impossible to figure out. So there's not much need, to, I think, to really deeply evaluate the win category because it's very, very flaky. Let's talk about saves. Manuel Classe and Josh Hader leading the way. Surprise of absolutely nobody, those two are at the top, followed by David Bednar, Jordan Romano, and Felix Batista. No real surprises there at all. You know, maybe David Bednar has been better than we've expected, 0.75 ERA. But at the end of the day, these are the guys that you were expecting to be at the top of the saves column. Josh Hader was my number one closer. I have been a huge fan of Josh Hader now for a while. And I think last year, I've talked about this a lot, that he was kind of screwed over in the way that people viewed him, and he has come back and been just amazing. Manuel Classe, giving you typical Emmanuel Classe stuff. Not a lot of strikeouts, only 9 through 15 innings, but the 10 saves is why you drafted him. You know, if you wanted the strikeouts from your closer, you would have taken Edwin Diaz or you would have taken Josh Hader. And I know the way it worked out with Diaz, but you weren't taking Classe for that strikeout upside. You were taking him because of the floor with the ratios and the high save number he is likely and is currently getting. Um, so no real surprises there with Romano and Felix Batista. No surprises there either. These are guys on good teams that have incredible stuff that we were expecting to pick up where they left off last year, and they have. Now, Jordy Romano... Blew a save yesterday. He's blown a couple this year so far. Actually, he's missed him on the one. Uh, he blew the one save. Oh, yeah, I guess yesterday wasn't a save opportunity. It was, it was just a loss. Uh, he does have the one loss, and he does have, or excuse me, two losses and the blown save. But he's actually looked really good when he's been out there. The Jays use him quite a bit. He's pitched 14 times already this season. Kind of a lot. You know, they're pushing him a little bit, which is what they typically do. 
he's pitched more than half the game or about half the games. They've played 29 of them. So uh, they overuse him a little bit. That might hinder him in terms of the ratios down the stretch because he might just get tired. But the strikeouts and the saves in particular are very, very safe with Jordan Romano. Let's quickly talk about whip. Whip is, again, uh, a fickle stat. It fluctuates quite a bit um, week to week, game to game. You never really know who is going to come out on top. And right now, currently among qualified pitchers, Tyler Wells of the Baltimore Orioles is the leader in whip. Would not have expected it at all. Do not expect it to continue. But Tyler Wells, honestly, is a side thing. 40% rostered. He's looked really good. He's looked good to the point where... He's, he's interesting to me. He's pitching tonight, so if you're listening to this, probably not in enough time to add him. But interesting streamer for tonight, considering the way he's been able to limit base runners and you know limit runners in general uh, coming around. Only a 279 ERA through his 29 innings, 23 strikeouts. Really like what Tyler Wells has done. Not a must-roster player, but very interesting nonetheless. Now the rest of these guys here in the top five, we've talked about them now, except for one of them, and that would be Jacob DeGrom. DeGrom is second at .76, and followed by Kershaw, Zach Allen, and Joe Ryan. DeGrom is injured now. We know that he is going to be injured. That's just... We came into the year knowing he was going to miss time. So it's not the end of the world, as long as it's not too much time missed. But the whip is ridiculous. Like, these other guys... You know, can Kershaw maintain it to some degree? Yeah. Uh, you know, if Kershaw had a whip that was in the .7 range, it wouldn't shock me. Uh, him, and, him and DeGrom are the only guys where you can really look at and say... They have a chance of maintaining that over the course of the whole season. Tyler Wells, he's not going to do that, obviously. Even Zach Allen and Joe Ryan, can it be like a low one, even maybe like a .9 something? Yeah. But in terms of sustainability for these low whips, it's pretty much DeGrom, and that's kind of it, assuming he's healthy. If he's not healthy, then there might be nobody who's going to be able to maintain this clip at all because we're looking at 16 guys with a sub-1 whip. Maybe going to be one or two by the end of the season. We're talking about qualified pitchers here. It would be DeGrom, would be my guess. Everybody else, can they stay generally in this kind of range of actual rankings? You know, can can Gallon be fourth overall in whip? Possibly, yeah. Can Joe Ryan be fifth? Can Otani be sixth? Yes. But we're not going to see these kind of rates maintained. And that's an important thing to remember for all these categories we talked about today. You're not going to see any of them maintained to the same degree that we have to this point of the season. Whether it's home run rate, whether it's strikeouts, whether it's, you know, wins... Nothing is going to, you can't prorate anything we've seen over the course of the season and say, oh yeah, Muncie has 11 homers in 28 games, so he's probably hitting 65 this year. No, not how it works at all. You have to taper your expectations for a lot of these guys, especially if they are somebody who you weren't expecting to start out this hot, who has kind of blown up. But guys, I'm going to leave you there. That is our review of the top five in each of the 10 Roto, standard Roto categories. Again, hit me up on Twitter with any questions, comments, concerns, anything like that. Questions for Vlad Sedler, because he will be on the show on Thursday afternoon. That one will be out Thursday evening at some point. We're going to be talking about draft day regrets, looking back on April as a whole a little bit. So reach out to me or to Vlad if you've got any questions for that show. Of course, go ahead and follow Ethos Fantasy BB, E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB over on the Twitter. And go ahead and like our recent post and drop a follow, because you can win yourself a free membership for a month over at Sports Ethos. Whether it is on the wagering side, the DFS side, or one of our fantasy passes, definitely be checking it out. It takes two seconds to go like a tweet, and you could end up getting uh, making yourself some money out of it or winning, uh, winning your fantasy season in the process. But guys, really appreciate you hanging out. Let me know with a rating and review what you think of the show here. Five stars really does help. It shouldn't help as much as it does. 
but it really does help the show to get seen by more people. So make sure you are clicking that five star, letting us know what you think of the pod. But that's enough rambling for me. You'll see me again tomorrow, and we will talk about today's games and do more of a standard show. Wanted to mix it up a little bit today, but we'll be back to the usual format tomorrow. Guys, have a great night. Take care. See you tomorrow. Cheers. Cheers.